You're listening to the private podcast for The Matrix with Amber Smith. So today we're going to talk about pivoting into power. So we talked about flow and friction and aligned action. We talked about the importance of aligned action means you know where you're trying to go. And so I've talked about this idea of flow and friction. And one of the things that I got more clarity about, I think I was actually talking to you, Anna, about flow and friction, is there are two types of friction. There is your friction, and then there is the friction of the client experience. And so I wanted to talk about these three concepts before we jump into pivoting into power. I wanted to share this framework because I think that this is really important to know how to apply the right kind of friction in your business. This one is me in the beginning. So we're talking about time moving forward, right? When I knew in business, I need to take on the friction. I need to be initiating conversations. I need to be posting. I need to be responding to DMs. I need to be coming up with new ways of client interaction. Maybe it's like a new free call. Maybe it's posting more than I get out. In this phase, there's this action threshold, like a high action threshold. That's what I think of. So you need more action than the game for a while. And this is where I think I see a lot of coaches get it wrong because they see coaches who do less, demand more, and make more, right? Like, so that would look like a coach, you know, post one time about 101, it's $100,000 application only, and they get 10, 20, 30 people applying. That kind of person is on this side over here, the friction for the client. When you're a new coach, you need to be taking on the friction. So this looks like posting two crickets. That's normal. You're going to be taking more action than you get a reward. That is very normal. And I think more people need to speak to that because sometimes, especially when you get into the energetics or like law of attraction and like belief work, I think it's easy to be like, I'm not believing hard enough. And it's like, no, you are believing hard enough. Like you actually just need more action in this phase of business than you see some of your mentors taking, including me, right? The action that I take is going to look different than it did when I was brand new. Like when I was brand new, I was doing different action because my action threshold was a lot higher because I didn't create flow. And so the purpose of this type of friction, hopefully this is making sense. We're trying to generate flow. We're trying to generate the flow of clients coming into us, asking us questions, getting on our wait list, getting on our email list, showing interest, asking how do I work with you? If that's not happening, one, that's okay. That's like how all of us start, but we want to get to that place. And that means that you need to put more in the form of value, content, relationships, conversations, getting guests speaking, guests being on podcasts, writing your own podcast, writing your own blog, creating content. If you choose not to do the content side, it's like you're actually having conversations with real people because what happens is the flow goes word of mouth, right? Like people are going to tell their friends or their coworkers or their bosses about you. That's kind of how that goes. I think the mistake would be to be like, well, I'm doing everything that my mentor is doing and not getting results. But you have to look at what did your mentor do in the phase of business that you are in to create the flow that they have. And if you can answer that question, then the aligned action comes to life for you because it's like, okay, now I know. If you were to ask me how many posts I made, how many calls to action I made in the beginning, it was like in the hundreds. So I created flow. Now I have the luxury of posting less and less friction on my part because I generated flow. And so what I want to share this because some of you are in this less column, right? Where your action threshold is really high. And this is where most people quit because it's frustrating. If I'm being really honest here, you're doing a lot of action. 
You're putting a lot of calls to action out. You're adding value. You're like, I think I'm good. I think I have good tools. And like, it seems like there's crickets. It seems like nobody's working. It's because more friction, more action is required in this phase of business to create results. And it's not because you're doing it wrong. It's because no one knows you and that's okay. And so I think if you're in this phase, this phase is a lot of adding value conversations that lead nowhere that happens. Some of them will bear fruit. And a lot of them are just for your own experience. I have like a graveyard of consults from the first year of my business that never became clients that probably don't follow me now, that probably thought I was a mediocre coach. And that's okay. That was a requirement of that phase of business. I think of it like an intern phase because that was just what was required for me to become the person that could generate flow. This is not a rule, but what I really, in my mind, this is like zero to a hundred K. That's what this phase looks like. You're going to make money and then you're going to have to keep having an action threshold where it's like, is this working? There's a lot of up and down. There's not a lot of consistency or predictability in your income. There's a lot of emotional like vulnerability here. There's a lot of questioning, like, can I do this again? And so if you're in this phase, just know this is normal. You are not a screw up. You're not doing it wrong. You are actually doing it right. <laughs> this is the phase. I think when you start getting closer to 100K, you have more flow. And what that means is people are more interested in what you're doing. Not that that flow can't come within the 100K, but in my experience, it's like once you've made $100,000, like people are interested in what you're doing. There's at least some intrigue. People are in your circle. You have a little group of people who like what you're doing and then more flow in your business. So I think I would define flow as like people asking you, you know, a wait list or at least predictable revenue. Predictable doesn't have to be this like huge number. It could be like, you know, I make about $5,000 every month. Sometimes I'm like 8,000, sometimes I'm like 12,000, but I have some sort of predictable revenue here. And I generally get the sense that the feeling in flow is like, people want what I have. When we're in this left side of friction, where it's like, I have to take on the friction you're kind of questioning that sometimes. Sometimes you're like, people want what I have. And then other days you're like, I don't know if people want what I have. <laughs> That's normal. I think when you're in flow, you're like, you know, people actually are waiting for me to show up. People like my content. People like my presence. They want to talk to me. They have questions for me. That's flow. Once you generate a lot of flow where you are fully booked, you have maybe a wait list or at least groups of people who are waiting to work with you or they told you like, I'm working on getting ready to work with you or you have this general sense of demand you can increase the friction for your client. The mistake that I see is that people move into this too fast. So they see a coach, like I mentioned earlier, that does application only, and they're like, oh, I'm gonna do application only, but they have no flow. So no one's gonna apply because you don't have flow coming to you. Raising your prices is another, so more of like that exclusive vibe. That's what happens later after you have a lot of flow. And so this friction does not belong if you try to put friction here, you're only slowing down clients from coming to you and you're not creating the flow. You miss the part where you have flow and then you can add the friction later. And so I wanted to say this because I think I missed this piece when I was talking about one-on-one and group earlier. And so it got confusing. But the whole point of adding friction is like, you want people to know you, you want people to trust you. You want people to know what you do, right? Have you ever had the experience of like talking to people about what you do? They're like, okay, you know, I just met a friend in my neighborhood and I was like, I have an online business. And she's like, oh, okay. Like didn't really ask me any more questions because <laughs> it was just easier to explain that. I think she got that. 
But if it's someone who likes coaching, right, I might go to more of this. Anyway, the point is, is that it takes a lot more friction here to get people in the door, to get people interested in what you're doing. That's okay. And then once you have flow, you can think about adding more friction. And so I wanted to say that because you can probably identify yourself in one of these phases. And now you can make empowered decisions about how to either increase your friction to create clients, right? You're doing more of the work. You're doing the hard stuff. You're initiating conversations. You're doing calls, getting reps in, working on your belief, truly doing the inner work in this phase as well. It's a lot of action and it's a lot of inner work, like really looking yourself in the mirror saying like, I'm a valuable coach. That happens in this phase. It comes before this flow. And I would say increase the action, increase the inner work. And it's challenging. Most people quit here. Like, I really love that line in the Prosperous Coach book where he's like, there's a low bar for entry and a high bar for success. It's because most people won't stay in this phase long enough to get into flow. And I don't want that for you guys. I want you to make the leap. I want you to get into flow because it's great here. You get to work with amazing clients. You get to figure out what pricing feels good to you. How many hours a week you work. They all these great things that people hear about coaching, but they don't realize to get there, they have to go through this phase. And so if you're in this phase, one, do not give up because that's why most people burn out, right? They never go beyond or believe in something better than where they are. And I think that that's a really important step is like believing that there is something better in the future business-wise. Because to be very, very honest, this phase sucks. It sucks. It's exciting. You're like spanning. You have all these ideas, but also like there's a lot of rejection. There's a lot of crickets. There's a lot of questioning. And that is normal. If you can stick it out and develop the inner strength and belief enough, you will get to flow. If you keep doing the activities and working the beliefs that you know will get you there. And you probably already know what those are hosting content, having conversations, reaching out to people, inviting people to free calls, talking about your offers, adding value that is relevant to the people you want to work with. Over a sustainable period of time, you will get to flow. Some of you are in flow, and this is where the things that got you there, you want to keep doing it until you have so much flow that you actually need friction. So like the things that got you here, right? You're adding value. Maybe you have people that you're working with regularly. How can you serve them so well that they want to refer you? How can you build up renewals? I think that that's another way. This is where you start getting renewals and referrals, which is, I think that that's another indicator of flow is I'm getting consistent renewals and consistent referrals or people are working up the value ladder to me. They're coming into my group program and they're joining a mastermind and they're hiring me one-on-one. That's another form of flow. Some of you are in this phase and that's great. You can start to think, do I want to add an application? Do I want to raise my prices? Do I want to take on less clients and make it more exclusive? Do I want to try a new offer? Things like that. And then once you're in this phase, I think it's more of like a playing, like how can I keep the flow and add different ways of friction, new offers, application, wait lists, things like that. I want to say that in the beginning, because we're going to talk about pivoting into power today. And this is really good for you. So you feel like you've changed your mind a lot. If you feel like maybe there's a lot of things that you want to try, this is going to be good for you. Oh, sorry, Jules, I just saw there's a threshold in my comfort zone. So there's so much friction I can handle. Any tips in this stage? Yes. So when you look at this phase, this friction for me phase, there's a lot of uncomfortable trying to break out of my comfort zone here. That is a requirement. So I'm kind of curious, Jules, if you don't mind sharing, like what specifically feels super out of your comfort zone, if you don't mind sharing. And you can type it if you are eating or something, that's fine. Or you can come on and just tell me. 
No, I don't mind sharing. It's just like, this is the zone that basically like everything is uncomfortable. <laughs> and it's like, you're trying to learn how to post and you're trying to learn how to add value and you learn how to do the guy. Like that is only like so much threshold I have. Everything feels, I have to learn everything. <laughs> Does it make sense? I'm glad that you said that. The key here is discernment. I think discernment is important at every phase. Like knowing what is for me and what is not for me. What do I actually need to learn? And am I executing on the things that I'm learning? Because what is required here is not, like you don't need to know a ton. I remember I went down the rabbit hole in this phase of like funnels and upsells and weird stuff like that, that did not help me sign a client. And it distracted me. Instead of what is my main goal? That's why aligned action, we decide what I want. That's how we decide what to learn, right? What do I want to create? If you want one-on-one -on -one clients, like for me, I don't know what you're learning. The only things I really need to learn was like how to onboard, you know, setting up a payment system, how to create better content, how to initiate relationships better, and then belief work. And then everything else, like funnels, upsells, domains, SEO, all these things that I went down the rabbit hole of weren't going to help me sign a client. And so really using your discernment and cutting out things that aren't useful and focusing on things that are useful. In this phase of business, I read this book, The Prosperous Coach, like 10 times. <laughs> I was trying to master certain skills, not all the skills from my business. And so I think the learning piece can be a distraction. If we're only learning the things that are applicable, that's fine. And then do more execution. So have more conversations, post more valuable content, have more follow-up follow with people, get on more podcasts, serving more people. You don't necessarily need to learn a ton. Sometimes the learning can feel overwhelming. I don't know if that resonates, but for me, the learning, my actual action was not overwhelming me. My act is you, like we're a fly on, my on the wall watching me in this phase. I post like once on Instagram, have five DM conversations, and then everything else is me consuming podcasts, taking courses, all things that were distracting from actually having more conversations, following up with people, sending useful podcasts to other people, following up, hey, how did that conversation go that we talked about in our call? Like those kinds of uncomfortable, lots of friction action for me. And I think that the overwhelming part is also like the inner work. So when we feel inadequate, I know for me, I felt like I'm not good enough. Like I really just have this belief, like I'm not good enough to do more than I'm doing. How do I become better? And my go-to was reading books and it still is. And it's like one of those things that is awesome until it's too much and it becomes a distraction from what I'm trying to create. And so I noticed I had to actually stop searching, searching, searching and asking, what do I already know that I'm not executing on? What do I already know that I am not doing? And then doing it. And then there's an element of also believing that what I'm doing is working. If you imagine the garden, right? I'm planting seeds and I'm watering it every day. At a certain point, I have to stop watering and let go and trust. That's part of the inner work too. And it's uncomfortable. I really like the word watching it happen. So it's like you're observing it working, but you still have faith because you're not seeing the results yet, but you will if you keep watering every day. I don't know if that makes sense. It's not that you stop doing the action. There is a lot of action, but they're also like at a certain point, you can't do any more and you just have to trust. And that's when we work on our belief. And finally got into consistent posting and got asked to guest on a podcast. That's awesome. And I'm totally freaked out. I haven't responded yet because it terrifies me. I guess I just need to do it. Yes. Respond before you can talk yourself out of it. Feeling like I'll stumble, but probably just need to do it. So it seems like moving in the right direction. You absolutely are, Bonnie. That's awesome. You know, it's interesting. 
like procrastination is just fear. But the way that you move through that is moving through that. So don't delay. Actually, do it right now. If you're afraid not to do it, like go act it or why do it you out. It'll be so awesome. Okay. So the thing that I wanted to talk about today was pivoting into power because there's going to be times in your business where you have to make new decisions. And I like the word pivoting into power instead of like changing your mind or bailing. And I think it also kind of gives you a constraint for when to pivot and how to pivot well. And I like the word pivot too, because it's like, I'm still moving forward. I'm just like pivoting. I'm not like abandoning ideas, but it means when we pivot, we do pivot into power, more service, more clarity, more certainty, more service for our clients and more freedom for us, right? That's how we pivot. And so I have some questions for you to consider because sometimes aligned action means, I actually wrote this, making changes or abandoning an idea. Sometimes that's what aligned action means. And so when I was new in my business, I was like throwing spaghetti at the wall. So I don't know if any of you are following it this time, but I was like trying so many different things, like spaghetti on the wall. Like, is this going to stick? Is this going to stick? Is this going to stick? And it probably gave people whiplash. In fact, one of the emails, you know how sometimes you get a comment that hurts your heart a little bit. This is one of them. I had a consult with someone and she was like, let me figure out how I'm going to pay for it. And I was like, okay. And then I, you know, just kept sending my emails and stuff. And I remember I launched something new, which was very common. And I think part of my journey, so if you launch a lot, that's okay. And she responded to the email that was like, Amber, you're giving me whiplash. And I was like, oh, oh, she doesn't like me and all this stuff. But that was me pivoting a lot until I figured it out. And so I wanted to tell you that story because some people won't get it and that's okay. But there are indicators in your business when it's time to make a new decision, a pivot. And so the question that I kept asking myself, is this decision getting me closer to my ultimate destination? And I would really sit with that question when you're making a decision about changing your offer, changing your price, changing a strategy, because a lot of times it's going to make you uncomfortable. Or it's going to make other people uncomfortable, but it is moving you in the right decision. I think changing things is a form of friction. And sometimes the friction can be for us or for our client. We want to be mindful when we change things. But I also think if you're growing, you're going to be making pivots a lot in the form of price increases and in the form of new offers. Like when you get fully booked out one-on-one, maybe you want a group or even before you're booked out on one-on-one. I know I did group long before I was booked out with one-on-one because of I need the leverage. There's no right or wrong. But I think the question, is this decision getting me closer to my ultimate destination will give you a lot of intelligence in how you make the decision. And so some of the decisions you might make are like changing the price of the offer, changing the length of how long you work with people, changing what kind of people you work with. Like I said, pivoting into power would mean I only work with clients that are even more high quality. I'm choosing to grow into my next version and taking people with me. That's to me what pivoting into power means. Another question that I like to consider is like, would I choose this again? Because I think sometimes we settle in and we're like, this is just how it is. But if you had the choice, would you do this again? Kind of interesting to think about. It gives you like that fresh slate. There's this thing called sunk cost. And it's like an economic term, but I really like thinking about it in business. Because sometimes we think we've put so much effort into this thing. And I think this question allows you to see it more clearly. Would I choose this again, knowing what I know? Because sometimes we're like, oh, but I already did six months of this. I already did you know, all these things. And we limit possibilities because we're looking to what's predictable. If you remember in quantum play, we talked about predictability versus potentiality. When we think about the sunk cost of something, we're only looking at predictability and we're blocking potentiality. 
And so I like asking this question for me and being really honest about my answer because sometimes it's really uncomfortable. Sometimes it forces you to create changes that make other people uncomfortable. And that is okay. That's part of growth. I don't think there's any that I can think of entrepreneurs, coaches who what they started in is what they ended with, right? And so it's part of your natural expression and growth to make new decisions, to clean up things, to change things. And I like to use the word pivot because it just means you're getting closer to your highest self, to your highest potential. Would I do this again? Yeah. And especially like spring, you've been in business for a, a while. Like I bet there's a lot of things and experiences that you're bringing into this present moment. But if you chose, would I do this again? It's almost like a fresh slate, like looking at it from a different angle. So I really like it. Other more specific questions I like to ask myself, do my current prices serve me and my clients to our highest potential? Is the person I'm speaking to in their power when I imagine them? One of my core tenets in my business is see people in their power. So like, I really believe that. And I think all of us coaches like tend to believe that. We believe people are powerful, but sometimes when we speak to people, we're imagining someone not in their power. And I want to offer that this is like a really powerful way to write copy in your content, in your emails, is remembering this person in their power, able to make a powerful decision. Will you say those two questions again? Yes. Do my current prices serve me and my clients to our highest potential? And this doesn't mean that you just raise your prices because it feels good. I think that you can be strategic about it. And especially when you're in the flow, you're like, do my prices still serve me and my clients? And then the second question is, is the person I'm speaking to in their power when I imagine them? Sometimes we imagine one of my coaches, Melanie and Lair, called them chicken nuggets. And I always think it's so funny. Am I imagining someone who's a powerful woman or am I imagining a chicken nugget? Someone who can't make decisions, someone who's afraid, someone who's timid. Even if they experience those things sometimes, what they want is to be met with, I see you in your power. And that starts with the way that we speak to them long before they ever work with us. They might be afraid. They might have things going on for sure. And we can speak to that. But I think when we ask them to make a decision, it's because we see them as a powerful person. And then the next question that I have is, is this a vote for who I'm becoming? Or is this a vote for my own fear? And I think that becoming aware of that answer is the first step, but then doing something with that answer is where the magic is. And I'm going to give you an example. Are you not sharing about your offer because you're like, okay, why am I not talking about my offer more? You're like, okay, I think, but truthfully, I'm actually just afraid of someone saying yes, because I'm afraid I'm going to underdeliver to this person. Who is speaking right now? Is this a vote for who you're becoming or is that a vote for your fear? And so by not talking about your offer, you're actually voting. You're saying this fear is legitimate, so I probably shouldn't talk about it. And then we vote for it. If I could die on a hill, it would be about self-awareness. <laughs> because I think the more self-aware you are, the more new action you can take. But I think when you're pivoting, it's essential because sometimes we think we're changing things out of like empowerment or alignment or whatever, but really it's fear speaking. And I'm going to give you an example of this from a client, not from me. She was like, you know what? You know, I just really want to make coaching available for everyone. She started this little membership, nothing wrong with membership at all. But I think in the phase of her business and what she was trying to create, it wasn't a good move. Like the math didn't make sense, right? So when she chose to launch the membership after she had been working one-on-one, her business really struggled. And I was asking her some questions, like what happened? Why did you decide to do this? You know, and she was like, well, I just want coaching to be available for everyone. And I was like, okay, tell me more. And we like just kept digging. I kept pulling the thread to see what she was believing. And she was just afraid there's going to be no more clients in the future. So she was fully booked, decided to launch membership and go all in on the membership and stop doing one-on-one. That was kind of her decision. 
And what she realized was she was fully booked, but the fear was so strong that she could never create those kinds of clients again, that she pivoted not into power. She pivoted with fear. And so she had to go through her own process and she cleaned some stuff up and she ended up not doing a membership. Not because memberships are bad, but it wasn't right for her at that time. And so I think being aware of when we make a decision like that, is this coming from fear? Is this coming from the vote for the identity that I really want? And only you can know that answer when you really sit with yourself, right? If you're being really honest, that's why coaching helps, if your journaling helps, getting to the truth. Can I come on for a question? Yeah, Anna, come on. This is like bringing up a lot for me because I'm looking at everything that's happened recently and then signing a client yeah. and creating that offer specifically for her, which is really cool. Like we've talked about this mindset and embodiment around being like an 8K for six months coach. And I'm willing to be creative to create cash flow and serve people highly. And I'm just wondering, looking at that, like I loved what you talked about in the beginning. And I was looking at that, like thinking, okay, my highest self, who I'm becoming, sees these prices and how I want to embody and invite and present myself right? And like anchoring in that belief. And also I'm like, okay, Amber, from your strategy mindset and having been here, because I don't want to believe this, but is it true that like I raised my prices too soon? I don't think that about you. Like you've been in this world for a while and this is what I'm going to show you because I'm sure 8K is not where you want to stop. No. So I want you to imagine like this ladder when I read The Prosperous Coach for the first time, I told you the story. At the time, I was charging $600 for six weeks, and I was fully booked at that rate. And I was having fun, and things were good. But I was starting to feel some like dissonance between who I saw myself as a coach, like just the kind of coaching I could deliver and the feedback I was getting and what I was charging, right? I was like, I feel like it sounds so cliche, but I feel like I'm meant for more, and I didn't have anyone to tell me that at the time. And I read the book, The Prosperous Coach, and he breathed life into a dream that I didn't even know I had, which was like a high ticket coach. And I know there's this X amount for me at some point, right? There's a like big amount in the future that I want to charge. It's not what I'm currently charging. So when I moved from $600 for six sessions, I went to 7K for six months. And then I went to 10K, right? Like I went up rungs on a ladder, like as I developed my skill, my confidence as a coach, I want to offer mm-hmm. that you do the same thing. You will charge more in the future than you charge right now because you are on the path of growth and you are sharpening your skills and you're becoming more valuable and you're coaching people who seek coaching as very valuable. And so when you chose to raise your prices, can you tell me about why you did that? Well, because like I've read Prosperous Coach multiple times too, and I really align and resonate with that. I've also seen tangible evidence of how incredible my clients do, clients resign, like besides the client who just resigned, like. I realized she's paid me $10,000, you know, for a year, basically. Cause like in the beginning, like last year when she signed, it was 4K and now she just signed on for 6K. And it's like, I have people resigning. I have people referring. I have amazing, there's a lot of actual tangible evidence. As you know, there was a gap. And when I was looking back, like at numbers, I was looking at this last night and I was like, oh my gosh, I didn't realize this. I actually made like $30,000 last year in my coaching business alone. It just happened in the beginning of the year. Yes. And I was still working as a PT. And the year before I only worked for six months and I made about the same, like I've made 60,000. And in the first year I was working and I had two days a week to build my coaching practice. And I did. 
like, I've been hard on myself. I've seen success. I've been basically fully booked because I consider myself like six to maybe nine clients fully booked. I would be right now completely happy with six. I'm happy. But like the goal of if I had six clients, I would consider that fully booked right now. I really would. I have six private clients and I'm like, that's enough. Kennedy was starting to question. There's always, every decision has a trade-off. When we choose to do high ticket, we choose to take on less clients. And I also think there's more spread out. I think that that's a natural thing that happens. So if you're used, like when I was at 600 for six weeks, I was not quite all the time. <laughs> like I had a lot of sure. Okay. Yeah. It was great for that season of business. When I made the shift to 7K, it took me like a month and a half to even get a consult about it. And then once you figure out how to sell it and what kind of person would want to buy it and stuff, it can happen faster. For your reasons, I think you had a very similar experience to me with the Prosperous Coach book. You don't want a turn. Yeah. You want yeah. kinds of clients at 8K. Now, we talked yeah. about how you're solidifying your beliefs that you're an 8K coach. That doesn't mean that you can't sell different packages. I think entrepreneurial creativity, which I really recommend if you want to make cash flow happen, that you're not dying on the hill of, I only work with clients. And we talked about that on a call so that like anyone else that wants to pay me money, I'm not willing to negotiate or come up with a creative solution. That's a lot right. of on the right hand. Right. And I think what we talked about is we want to keep the flow. And so you can create new ways of working. You know, this is why I think having a menu is really useful. You're still the 8K coach but there's a lot of different ways that they can still work with you, but you're still that 8K coach. Okay. I have another question. I don't know if it's appropriate for now or if wait till. Just ask. Okay. I share a ton. I'm like extremely transparent because I really have valued coaches like modeling that along the way. And I'm super inspired by that. And the post where I like shared what I shared in my email, my husband was like, Anna, what are you doing? No one's going to sign on with you. You just said you hadn't signed a high ticket client in 11 months. Like you have to take that down. I'm like, no. And I'm like, I didn't talk to Amber about that. I'm having drama. I didn't have drama when I sent it to my email list. I really didn't. And I had amazing feedback. And like my client, the one who just signed was like, this is why you're my coach. I love you. Like she didn't care. Like she literally loves my transparency but my husband is like this is insane you're like killing yourself why are you sharing that and I'm like maybe I shouldn't have shared that I don't know regardless it's already done you already did. yeah so now we just get to clean up your thoughts about sending it which why not believe that that was perfect because it's done that's straight from Brian Katie okay how do we know it's perfect okay it is <laughs> true and then okay. what do you want to do with this information now how do you want to use it to create well, I want to always be an in integrity and I want to be an example of a coach who can own everything and not just share the shiny wins, but I allow myself to share both. But there's like fear that the vulnerable side is going to slow me down. So I don't know. Yeah, I can see why that's a real fear, especially for people. I'm assuming this about your husband, but he doesn't seem like he's vulnerable. Oh, no. So this is what I want you to consider. This client that just signed at 6K, did she hire you because you teach her how to get fully booked as a coach? No, I love this. She said, I'm thinking of you as my joint coach. And 
I just want to work on my energy and like belief and being grounded this summer. I talked about this with you a while ago about opening your heart and your mind to possibilities of not working with just entrepreneurial women. Because we don't have to label why people hire us. We can just think people hire us, which is a niche, right? I think this is why people are going to hire me because I can help them. And this is my experience. These are my thoughts. This is why I value. But at the end of the day, everyone has their own reasons for hiring a coach. Sometimes it's like, you did this. I want you to teach me how to do this too. And other times it's like, yeah. she saw in you, you didn't believe that people would want to hire you for. But I think she's yeah. evidence that people want your vulnerability. People want your energy. People want your belief in abundance, in joyful living before results change. That can be like your battle cry for your next group of clients. Like use this as evidence that when your vulnerability is not to you down for your right clients. Some people would hear that and not want to hire you. That's normal. When we attract, we also repel. That's part of the deal, right? When we say, I help so-and-so do this, some people would be like, that's not for me. Anna's not for me. And that's part of it. But some yeah. people so lit up by what you're sharing that they'll want to hire you. Vulnerability is a risk. But that doesn't mean that we aren't vulnerable. So I'm just going to share my rule of thumb. Because I do have a lot of mentorship in what I do. Like right now, I would consider this mentorship. I've done this before. This isn't me just showing you your blind spot. This is yeah. you guys on how to create an awesome word of mouth business. I've been where you are before. So I am very careful about what I share. Anna, you know that I'm your fan. (laughs) And you're so inspiring with all your courage to share with such a partner. So thank you. Yeah, but thank God. So that's why you're my inspiration. Thank you so much, Jules. That's how you feel about it. But it takes God's. So yeah, I'm not there. That's why I like listening to you. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> Sometimes it feels crazy. <laughs> I was going to message you too, Anna, and I saw that post and it made me love you more. I was like, you are so real and Thank raw you. and it just made me connect more with you because we've all had low periods in our business and you shared yours very vulnerably. And I was like, okay, I felt like I knew you better and felt more connected to you. So... Thank you. Yeah, it might have repelled some, but it connected with others for sure. Thank you so much, Alvin. Yeah, because what you were demonstrating is like that abundance, but not having that physical result yet. I appreciate that. Okay, so the only thing that I would say in mentorship, I talk about things that I've done, that I've overcome. So when I share like a challenge, it's something that I struggled with figured out a solution for and created a different result because I want to come from a place of like, I know I can help you from my own experience. That's mentorship to me. What I love about coaching, and this is something that I think, you know, like you can go full on in is that we don't have to like tell you this is how to do this. I love coaching because it's like a way of being and a way of life. And I help identify people's blind spots and ways of thinking that stops them from living that way of life. It's not even about get to X result. It is more complicated to sell. And I think that that's what the prosperous coach really tries to talk about is like, how do you explain coaching? You give them the experience. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, right. Mentorship. And like, if you listen to the podcast, The Beautiful Business from Mark Butler, he talks about training businesses versus coaching businesses. 
And I even would argue, like, depending on what kind of one-on-one coach you are, there's different experiences. So some of my private clients, it is more of a mentorship role. They're trying to create what I've created. So I can, like, tell them yeah. stories. But, like, when I coach yeah. people who like, I have a few clients who are ahead of me in business, they didn't hire me to tell them what to do. They hired sure. me to help yeah. I coach their brain. Yeah. I help them enjoy their life differently, right? Like it's a different reason they hire me. It's more pure coaching. They don't need me to tell them what to do. For her, it's like I can see it being both. Like I am mentoring her in a way because she's a coach and she wants to create like I have and just pure coaching. It's both. And part of my brain is saying like, I want to create a business model that is easy to sell. Like, I don't think there's anything wrong, right? There's nothing wrong with wanting to market myself strategically, which is why I want people that are growing something that have a huge, like high performing, like me, this drive, this passion, this relentlessness. And to me, entrepreneurs, high achieving women and coaches want that. So I do want to market to that. I can't let that go. I want that. You're talking to. I think mm-hmm. entrepreneurs is, is a great choice for coaching because they, okay. they naturally back it. What I'm saying is like the promise of what you help them with can be multifaceted. I can look at that more. It could be about loving their life on the way. It could be about taking care of their mental and physical health while they build their business. It can be about their abundance mindset. It can be about money. It can be about a lot of things. And even I am so multifaceted. It's so holistic. It's okay one day to do one. And it's like finding that all over the place. Like I talk about health and body and then I'm talking about money and I'm like, (laughs) I am everywhere. One-on-one, that's where that belongs. If you're going to come up with like a group offer that's the way you're replicated, right? If you're going to have a or a book or a masterclass or something, you're going to have everything that's too much. Thank you. Right, people. But for one-on-one, like I consider myself a general coach when I want to coach people. I could know about everything, motherhood, marriage, life, business, money, religion, like faith, all of it. All of it is on the table for one-on-one. Do I advertise that? No. So what you're going to have to do mm-hmm. is not being so broad that people don't, like I think I back to the entrepreneur on the growth journey is really important. Okay. Thank you so much. Okay. How it relates to their business growth. Talk about taking care of their body and how it relates to being their best. Talk about abundance mindset because it's going to help them make more money, enjoy time with their kids more, but like tie it back to their entrepreneur identity. But you can talk about so many different ways. Does that make sense? Yes. Thank you. This has been really helpful. Yes. I think one of them- I don't want to take any more time. It's not one specific thing. It's lots of things for that one specific person. Yeah, I can do a better job being more specific, tying actual results in, not all in the same post, but just no, one day this, one day this, being very specific. Yes, I think it's yeah. okay for you to talk about working out and being in the moment, feeling miracles. Like I love talking about the paradox. I think you would be really well with that kind of message, yes. right? It's like hardcore sometimes. Abundant flowy other times, right? Yeah. All of our retreats totally. to go further in their destination. Like, this is how I think about it. The identity of the person. So, like, for example, most of my clients are moms. I don't say yeah. that anywhere, but a lot of them are moms. Well, I resonate with that. You know what I mean? So, I went through a phase where, like, am I talking to moms? Because moms keep hiring me. My coach was like, no. 
how can I their coach identity? Because that's what's on their mind, right? That's where they want to grow. And something that you said that I think everyone should apply is like, what's the identity that you want to speak to that has the highest leverage for coaching? So it's like entrepreneurs can make more money. They can have a bigger impact. Their family life, their like family tree can change. So I'm going to speak to that identity that they have. Bonnie, I'm thinking of you, like it is going to be like the physician. You know what I mean? Like even if they're a mom or a wife, who you're speaking to is the physician. All of you guys have versions of this. I want to speak to the identity that's going to resonate with why I would pay for coaching. I think that the reason all of this gets confusing in our industry, especially, is because you see people have like programs like Nail Your Niche or Your Ideal Client Avatar, things like that. It's not bad. But when we have a one-on-one offer, we miss opportunities. Like I tell the story all the time about me working with this real estate agent. We started our coaching relationship at a park. And if I had in my mind, she's not in my niche, I would have missed an opportunity to serve. Because one-on-one, the rules are just different than a training business where you're offering a specific process to get a specific result. It's not bad. It's just very different. And so one of the things that I think can free a lot of you guys is that recognizing people who are already in your orbit that would probably be good for one-on-one coaching, but maybe you've missed serving them because you're like, well, it's not really my totally defined niche that I did. You know what I mean? So we want to keep in mind how we can serve people who are already in our world. Bonnie, I was wondering if when posting, I should address it specifically to women physicians or keep it more general. I would, but similar to Anna, you can talk about different aspects of their life and how it relates to them as a physician. So you could talk about marriage and how like sometimes if your husband or your kid or your partner has a bad day, it affects you at the workplace and how that burns you out even more. So even if you talk about other things related back to their burnout as a physician, that's what I would do. We're talking about the identity that's presenting, I guess, if that makes sense. Like the identity, like when I go to a business conference, I'm not going as a mom. I'm not there to get support as a mom. Even if I talk about motherhood challenges, it's in relation to me growing my business. So when I hired my first one-on-one coach, her name's Katie Fleming. She's awesome. She helped me because I wanted to grow my business as a mom, but I hired her to grow my business. I did not hire her to help me with my motherhood. She was speaking to that identity. And so you want to identify the identity that they have that resonates with coaching. And I've said that a few times, hopefully different ways that it sinks in for you guys. I think that's the easiest way to get people who want coaching is like, why not make it easier yourself for people who are trying to solve a problem? There's like this classic marketing professor story that I've told before. He's like, what makes the best hot dog stand? How would they sell out? And everyone's like, the best product, like the cheapest prices. And he's like, no, finding a starving crowd. Why not sell coaching to people who want coaching? And if they don't know what coaching is, that's okay. They still want growth. They want something that they don't have. And coaching is the way that they get it. That's who we're speaking to. And this is why I think there's a myth. This is not true. Selling coaching to coaches is the only way to make money or the best way to make money. And I don't think that's true. I think what the truth is, is that coaches who sell coaching to coaches, so funny, have identified someone who wants coaching. I think if you're up for the challenge explaining why coaching helps people reach their goals, it makes it sellable to anyone. They just have to see that coaching is what gets them there. And there's lots of people who want it. They just haven't identified it. That's why I think giving people the experience of coaching is so important. I remember I worked with someone when I was just life coaching and she wanted to give up smoking weed. I think I've talked about this story before. So she had a job. She had no idea what coaching was, but she was sick of therapy. It wasn't working. 
And she's like, can you tell me about what you do? Like, I see you posting on social media. Even if she looked at my post, she still didn't quite get what I it was. I was like, come on a call. Like, let's talk about it. And we worked on it for like nine months together. And she ended up getting a job and stuff because I think I told you this story, at least some of you. Oh, I used the model. Like, I literally showed her her thought process and how her belief that she needed to quit smoking weed was causing her anxiety and this pressure. And when she felt anxiety and pressure, she would turn to smoking weed to feel better. And it was like a mind-blowing moment to her. She's like, me believing I need to quit smoking weed is causing me to smoke more weed. And I'm like, yes. And it changed her life. And she ended up quitting and getting a job. I love that story because she didn't know what coaching was. Coaching changed her life. I gave her the experience of it, just like the Presser's coach. And so just because who you follow, like people like me who help coaches, that does not mean that's the only way to build a coaching business. They're just not marketing to you because you are the coach. So you're going to resonate with their messaging. But there's a whole world of people who want and need coaching to get to their next level. And you guys all have your own way of delivering it. So just remember, keep that in your heart and mind because there's so many people that can benefit from it. Okay. We don't have a call next Monday because it is Memorial Day. And I want you guys to enjoy it and have a good holiday. We will pick up back up in June. June 5th is our next call. So you'll be getting emails from me about that. And we start talking about a new topic. Feel free if you have any questions. Slack is available for you. Some of you guys use it, some of you don't. So I want to just keep putting that reminder out there. If you have anything, you know, come up between now and then, maybe you're watching replay or thinking what we talked about, I will answer. You can just put it in the coaching channel. So let me know. And I just hope you guys have a beautiful Monday. Sorry about the interruption. Thank you for being patient with me. And I'll see you guys in June. Okay, bye.